Welcome to the City Church Podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website, www.thecity.sg. Good morning. Uh, Happy Chinese New Year! I've been rehearsing all my Chinese, uh, what do you call those forwards? For Cheng Yu's, yes. Yes, this is my, this is my first year giving Ampao. And so, it's been interesting, you know, uh, not used to giving Ampao, you know. Um, I, I remember a couple of times when I was giving it, I, as I, I gave to Ampao, I said thank you to the person I was giving to. How many of you have done that before? Like, you know, you go to an airport counter and then you get your tickets and then the person's like, hey, have a safe flight. They go, uh, you too. <laughs> and then you feel like, <laughs> so that's a complete idiot. But anyway, yes, yeah, so Chinese New Year. Uh, as as PD mentioned, you know, we are taking a break from uh, the Soul Prosperity series this week. Uh, I'll to admit something, you know, I thought there would be a lot lesser people today. And so, uh, <laughs> and so you guys proved me wrong. Congratulations. And so... And so thank you for showing up, thank you for coming. I know, um, you know last night would have been a long night for some of you and some of you really uh, made the effort to be in church this morning. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for honouring the Lord. Thank you for honouring the community that you are part of as well. So really appreciate you guys showing up. <clears throat> and okay, we need to loosen you guys up. <clears throat> how, many know, how many of you know the name of our church? It's called the... City, yeah? the city, not the city church, it's the city. And uh, our name really made sense in the last uh, three years when we moved into the city. Previously, we were meeting in uh, industrial buildings in MacPherson, Arumugam, and people often go, why, why are you all called the city? And we didn't really have an explanation. <laughs> so uh, our name really makes sense uh, you know, as we move into the city. But you know, I'm, I'm really thankful for our church's name you know, because it, it really uh, captures the, the mandate that God has given uh, our house. And also, it sounds really cool. Right? Right? Don't you think so? Our church name sounds very cool. It's like the city, you know? It's like, oh, it's not called the city church. No, it's the city. And um, I was doing a bit of uh, research recently and uh, just looking at like different church names, you know, uh, that are around. And, um, and these church names really make me thankful for my church's, my church's name, you know? And, um, and you know, I, I believe God has uh, grace and mandated these ministries to fulfill their kingdom purpose as captured in their church name. Uh, but, you know, I, I just have great appreciation for my church's name. So I, all, I like to read to you some uh, names of churches that are around us. And these are all real. I did my fact-checking. And so are you ready for church names? <clears throat> now, this is a great church to be part of. It's called the Devil's Hunter Church. Ah, that is BA. That's awesome. Okay. How about this one? Guided Missiles Church. <laughs> I have no idea what that means. Uh, this, this is one of my favorites. It's so direct. It's, it goes, uh, Tithe and Offering Bible Church of God. <laughs> Super direct, man. <laughs> uh, we have uh, David Killed Goliath Ministries. Uh, accredited Church Ministries, you know. You need the acquisitions. Uh, last two. Uh, I'm sorry. 
she doesn't like the jokes. <laughs> okay, second last one. Go Satan in Trouble Ministries. And the last one, this is my absolute favorite. Are you ready? Last one. Satan, I rebuke you in Jesus' name, church. Hey, that, that makes me consider changing our church's name. Or maybe we want to be part of that church, man. That's, that sounds awesome, right? Which church you go to? Satan, I rebuke you in Jesus' name, church. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful. Uh, any of you all offended? No? You're not? All right. <laughs> Let's move on. All right, we have a short, shorter service today. Uh, I do have some ground on the cover. And um, I think it's going to be good. Are we ready for God's word this morning? Awesome. All right, let's pray as we begin. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to gather together. Lord, we thank you for the freedom we experience in this country, Lord, that we get to freely profess you as our Lord without any cost, Lord, without any form of persecution. Lord, we don't take that lightly. Lord, we thank you for that awesome privilege of being able to say that you are our Lord and our God. And God, we ask that in our lives that you will help us live up to the creed we so profess. That Lord, you will help us truly live as though you are really our God and our Lord, Lord. In all that we do in every area of our life, may it reflect your Lordship, may it reflect your rulership, may it reflect, God, our willingness to follow you wherever you go. And Lord, we ask that through the word this morning, you will prune us. You will read what is not of you, Lord, that you will speak to our hearts. Lord, we ask to be aligned to you this morning. God, we know that in your word is life. And Lord, we ask for that abundant life to be made manifest in every life. Lord, let us leave this place transformed by your word. For it's not by might, nor by power, but by your Holy Spirit. Father, I ask that let the, the words that are spoken after this service be, I encountered Jesus beyond uh, the great worship, beyond you know, the, the preaching of the, beyond the, the words that I say, God, may the words of, of your people be that they have encountered you. So God, we are expectant of a divine encounter with you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Y'all ready? All right. Um, today I want to I want to share on a on a concept, and um and I, I believe I'm gonna further develop this uh, throughout the year and as we go, and um all that to say you know I I don't promise that you will have a conclusion on whatever I'm about to say today, but I I believe that you know. Our time of, uh, you know, where we gather together like this, you know, we hear the, the word of God. But um, I don't believe that Christianity is designed to be a monologue, but I believe it's meant to be a dialogue. You know, and so that, that will mean that whatever we hear today, you know, it actually sets the context for your personal dialogue with God. You don't get to vicariously uh, outsource your relationship with God to someone up here on the pulpit. But we all have a personal responsibility to have our own relationship with God, our own walk with God. We all have a personal responsibility to weigh the word, to read the word, to walk out the word as well. Mm -hmm. And so what, what I'm saying today, I, I hope it sets the context for your personal time with the Lord and it's something that you get to work out with the Lord as well. It's my personal conviction that people ought to leave churches with more questions and answers. 
And questions really sets the, the, the tone, it sets the stage for intimacy. You truly get to know a person when there are questions and when you get those questions answered, when there's dialogue, when there's interaction. So my goal is to leave you, to have you leave here confused and <laughs> full of questions. Are you ready? There are two words to describe the kingdom of God in the Bible. You know, uh, one word uh, refers to the king's domain. It refers to where the king lives. Kingdom, king's domain. The other word used to describe the, the, the word kingdom in the Bible uh, translates to the king's dominion, his rulership, his reign, his lordship. Follow me. This is what uh, the Bible describes uh, our kingdom, the kingdom we have been part of. As it, it talks about the kingdom in this manner. This kingdom is without end. Without end. And some translations talks about it in, in, a, in a manner that it seems to suggest this kingdom is without limit. This kingdom is full of abundance. This kingdom is infinite in possibilities. That's the kingdom that we are a part of. Infinite in abundance. Infinite in possibilities. You know, uh, we read about in the Bible that uh, God owns the cattle of a thousand hills. Better is one day in your court than a thousand elsewhere. You know, um, how many of you know that it's not a literal thousand? Like you don't go to heaven and you count the, the cattle on, on the, those hills. It's like one, two, three, four, and thousand and that's it. Make sense? Yeah. How many of you know that? No, it's not after a thousand and one years, then it's like, oh, okay. So it turns out that it's not really better to be in your courts, you know? Am I making sense? The, to the Hebrew, when they talk about that number 1,000, it literally means to them infinite. It's like the biggest number they can think of. And so they, they go, better is a thousand days. In, it, it better is one day in court than a thousand days elsewhere. Yeah. He owns a cattle of infinite hills, a thousand hills. Am I making sense? Yeah. Infinite impossibilities, abundance. We're all familiar with the, the parable of talents, yes? Yes, we're familiar with the parable of talents. You know, we, that wicked and pro profitable servant who took that one talent and buried it in the ground out of fear of his master's rebuke. One of the main takeaways I have from that parable is this. That no use is as inexcusable as misuse. That not using what God has given to you out of fear of misuse is as inexcusable as misuse itself. That making sense. So follow me. We have been grafted into a kingdom of limitless possibilities, a kingdom of abundance, a kingdom that is full of blessing, wealth, and increase. No use is as inexcusable as misuse. Do you know what kingdom you are part of? And does your life, do your lives reflect that fact? Or reflect that faith, that belief that I am grafted into a kingdom of infinite possibilities? And not just that, that kingdom is ruled by a father who loves me, who desires to pour out and give good gifts to me. I'm making sense. Contentedness in the kingdom is not the absence of a desire for more. It is the unwillingness to, be, uh, to allow our identity and joy to be defined by our lack. 
I'll say that again. Contentedness in the kingdom is not the absence of a desire for more. It is the unwillingness to allow our identity and joy to be defined by lack. <clears throat> Matthew 6, 3, 3, you know, it's a life verse for me. It goes, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. Yes, are you with me? Alive? Yes, come on. Walk with me. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. <clears throat> For most of us, we are completely okay when someone seeks first the kingdom of God. But for most of us, we take offense when all things are added unto them. Oh, that guy has too much. We celebrate those who seek first the kingdom of God, who pay a price. But we persecute those whom God rewards richly because of their sacrifice. We have a theology for seeking first the kingdom of God. We, we have great understanding of that in the church. You know, Seeking first the kingdom of God looks like sacrifice. It looks like laying down a life. And we talk about it often. I would say, you know, most churches like that, that is where they pivot towards. They, they talk about seeking first the king, kingdom of God all the time. Love that. But, you know, that is not the complete p- picture. Seek first the kingdom of God. Pay the price and all these things shall be added unto you. A reward. Reward, that notion, that, that idea of reward, it, it's what drives the kingdom of God. Without reward, then our options, they, they don't make sense. Reward is only possible in the midst of options. And we live in a life full of options. I'm making sense. And so we have a theology for seeking first the kingdom of God. But most of us lack a theology of blessing. What does it mean to be blessed and what does blessing look like in God's economy, in God's world, in God's perspective? We need to develop a theology of blessing. Am I making sense? You see, you know, the, the church today, we, we, have a, we are a great church, you know, but the, the church globally... Um, has some errors here and there. Can we agree on that? Yes, we are not perfect. We are still working some things out. And you know, we, we have the, the guys who, uh, I call it like the, the blab it and grab it gospel. You know, they, they, they profess a thing and it will happen. You know, the name it and claim it, blab it and grab it kind of, kind of gospel. You know? And, and you know, some, some of it will seem to suggest that uh, your spirituality is tied to your net worth. The more you have in your bank account, uh, directly correlates to how blessed, how spiritual, how loved by God you are. How many of you know that that's a dysfunctional teaching? You know, and we, we all can, I, I'm sure most of us here will agree that that's dysfunctional. But how many of you know that oftentimes when you react to error, you almost always end up in error yourself? The church's reaction to that teaching is an, almost a glorification of poverty, a glorification of lack. There's this popular phrase that, that missionaries use often. They, they, they say, I'm living by faith. You know, and the suggestion is, I don't currently have a normal job or a, a conventional job, and I live by faith. So the, the, the meaning is that you know, if, if I don't have a normal job, I'm serving the Lord, then I am living by faith. Here's the implication. The implication is that those of you who have conventional jobs, 
who are making a salary consistently, you are not living by faith. Let me take it, take it further. Jesus would have then only lived by faith for three years. Would it be possible, let me, let me ask you this question, for us to have abundance, to be blessed, to have resources, and still live by faith? I think it's absolutely possible. And that's, that's what we need to develop in the church. We need to develop a theology of blessing. How does it look like to be blessed by God? To be blessed because I'm grafted and planted in his kingdom, have resources, and how does that pertain to my interaction with the world? How does that look like in God's economy in the kingdom? What does it mean to be blessed? Are you with me? We need a theology of blessing. I, I, we so desperately need it. You know, um, there are verses that, that, that go, you know, um, there's a verse that goes, money is the root of all evil. Yeah? You know, um, and most of us you know, read it as money is evil, period. You know, but, but money isn't is evil. You know, it's, it's when money becomes lord over you that it becomes evil. And so you know, if to us money is evil, then we are damning the poor by desiring them to be prosperous. We are damning them. We are condemning them if we desire for them to be blessed, for them to prosper. Thinking faces or confused faces? Think. Yeah, yeah. How many of you following me? Hands up. Okay. <clears throat> Are you with me? Let me ask you a question. Can we love people more than God? Yes. Very possible, yes? Hey, follow me? Yes? <laughs> Can we love people more than God? Yes. Okay. So, so we all agree it's possible for us to love people more than God. Would it be safe to assume that in order to love God, we need to abuse people? No, right? Right? Follow me, okay? It's possible for us to love people more than God, okay? But then, you know, it isn't right for us to abuse, hate on, beat up those people to show our love for God. The Bible even suggests that our love for God is really evidenced by our love for people. To stretch it a bit, it is not possible for us to fully illustrate our love for God if we do not love people, if we do not love what's in front of us. Possible? Is it possible to love our possessions and blessings more than God? The same would apply. Until you learn how to adequately use adequately um, manage your possessions, your blessings that's right in front of you, you will not be able to fully illustrate your love for God. That makes sense. And so we, we, we need a, a theology of blessing. You know? um, we, we can all agree that God wants to bless us. Yes? No, but... If then, if we, we base on that, that uh, the, the earlier presuppositions that when we have a lot, you know, it's evil, you know, we are condemned, you know, then shouldn't we reject the blessings, right? When, you know, God wants to prosper us, you go, oh no, you shouldn't do that, you shouldn't prosper me, you shouldn't give me more money, you're condemning me. 
right? Then every blessing becomes a condemnation. So what does it mean to be blessed, to be full, to have resources, to have abundance, and still walk in faith? And, and not only that, realize that there's a divine purpose, there's a kingdom purpose for the blessing that you're experiencing. And it's with all of that that I want to go into the meat of my sermon. And the concept I would like to present to you is found in Psalms 67. Here we have that verse. It says this in Psalm 67. God be merciful to us, and bless us, and cause his face to shine upon us, that your way may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. God, be merciful to us, and bless us. Cause your face to shine upon us, that your way may be known on the earth. I'd like to suggest to you this morning that the purpose of blessing is for God's way to be known on the earth. As Christians, we profess to be the most blessed people on the planet. And I think you know, the, the question that, that brings me to is this. What is the difference between an individual that's blessed and an individual that's not blessed? What differentiates my life from a life of a non-believer? You know, if I were to go in a room today, you know, filled with people, what would distinguish me as a follower of Christ apart from my schedule and choice of literature? What distinguishes me as a follower of Jesus? When I walk into a room, instantly they will go, this man is blessed. This man is of God. This man is a Christian. And we have to think, think about it in this context, so that we are of a different kingdom. We ought to stand up. We ought to stand out. The Bible calls us aliens. You know, we, we, we are not of this world. You know? What does it mean to be blessed? You know, and I was, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine, you know, and um, we were talking about family dynamics and stuff like that. And, and uh, he was like, oh, okay, so your, your extended family, you know, my whole extended family, they are not uh, believers in Jesus yet. And, um, but pretty close, pretty tight, you know, there, there's some fighting here and there, but more or less intact, the family, you know, and I was talking to that friend of mine, and he was like, you know, my whole family is Christian, but our family life is in complete shambles, like this person hate this person, this person hate that person, and they don't talk, and they don't meet in Chinese New Year, and it's all a mess. And then he, he just said, you know, and we are supposed to be Christians, we are supposed to be of God, but yet, you no, know, our family life doesn't really match up to that kingdom, to that God that we profess, we believe in. And so I'll pose that question to you. you know. Does your life reflect the life of a blessed individual? Does your life reflect the life of a person who is grafted into God's kingdom, into that kingdom of abundance? Are you following me? Yeah. The truth is, for most Christians, there's, no, there's little to no difference from the unbeliever apart from our schedule and choice of literature. The truth is, oftentimes, it is Christians who profess the most hopelessness and trouble in life. We profess that God is good, but if we ask ourselves the honest question, in what way has the goodness of God been actively pursued and manifested in my life? Will someone look upon your life and mine and go, hey, God is real. God is real. You know, the Bible says this, that we, we taste and see that the Lord is good. Here's what tasting is. Tasting is 
experiential, you experience it. Seeing is perception. Notice the order. Experiencing something and then perceiving something. Would be, what, what does it look like you know, to live out that verse, to manifest that love, that, that verse to the people around me? In my life, you know, the people around me would experience God's goodness and there will be a perspective shift. Taste and see that God is good. We need to intentionally leak the goodness of God to those around us so that they can taste His goodness and see. It, is, it looks like our lives becoming the very sign that points people to God. A sign, you know. Um, if we were to leave the auditorium later, you know, we have an exit sign up there. Nobody's going to crawl through the exit sign, right? You're going to walk through the door, right? Because the sign always points to something greater, points to a greater reality. And that's the role of your life and mine. We are signs that point people to God. And the world is hungry for the goodness of God. And that verse in, in Psalm 67, it says, Bless me, God. Bless me, so that they may know you. It is when the goodness of God is fully realized and manifested in our lives that we attract the world to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. It says this in the Bible that they will fear him in that day because of his goodness. Are you with me? Bless me that your way will be known. This is my sermon title uh, this morning. It goes, the responsibility of having a blessed life. The responsibility of having a blessed life. Let's look at another passage of scripture in Exodus 33. Are you with me? It says this, Now therefore I pray, if I have found favor in your sight, let me know your ways that I may know you. The invitation to experience God's ways is always an invitation to know Him. Oftentimes in churches, they, they, they split hairs almost. like They split the blesser from the blessing. It's like, hey, don't seek after the gifts. Don't seek after the good things of God. Seek after His face. But I mean, you know that if you seek the hand of God, just look up and His face is right there. The, the, helping people know God is helping them experience His ways, how He works, how, he's, how He moves, His very nature. There's a story that I reference to often. It's the story of Solomon's interaction with the Queen of Sheba. And we know Solomon was a, 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 a king that was wise, that, that was uh, led by the Lord. And Solomon's uh, kingdom was full of creative expression. And the Queen of Sheba came from a far-off land to visit Solomon's kingdom. And she marveled and was impressed and was blown away by the sheer excellence of Solomon's kingdom. The Bible accounts that you know, the way Solomon orchestrated things, the way things were laid, so blown away and so touched the heart of the Queen of Sheba. And this is what uh, the Bible accounts for this interaction. It says this in 1 Kings. It said, she, the Queen of Sheba, said to King, the report I heard in my own country about your achievements and your wisdom is true. But I did not believe these things until I came and saw with my own eyes. Indeed, not even half was told me. In wisdom and wealth, you have far exceeded the report I heard. Now catch this. It says, how happy your people must be. How happy your officials will continually stand before you and hear your wisdom. Praise be to the Lord your God 
who has delighted in you and placed you on the throne of Israel because of the Lord's eternal love for Israel. He has made you king to maintain justice and righteousness. That second last verse goes, Praise be to the Lord, your God, who has delighted in you. Now we have to understand that the queen of Sheba was not a believer. Okay, she was a pagan queen, queen. And so that brings the question to mind, what okay, did she experience, what did she see in that kingdom that led her to that exclamation? Praise be to the Lord your God. What so touched her, so blown her away, so caused her to be awakened in her very spirit that brought her to that profession? Praise be to the Lord your God. I believe she experienced you know, excellence and uh, saw a blessing that was of another kingdom. Solomon so displayed and so modeled what the kingdom of God was like that the Queen of Sheba was deeply and profoundly touched and that brought her to that profession. Am I making sense? You know, I... I, 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 I you no, know, I talk about blessing and being blessed, and whenever blessing is talked about, it always turns into a message on money, right? And I, I talk about money before, you know, um, some time back, and uh, you can you can talk about you can look at look it up, and um, it's something that I don't endeavor to talk about often. Uh, I'm still recovering from that message. Uh, I think there's a there's a, a misconception when people approach uh, money and giving in the same breath. You know, I, I think um, money is something I'll talk about once a year and two years max, but giving is something I'll talk about every, every Sunday. You know, because I, I think that we don't only give you know, through our finances, but we give through our lives, we give through our acts of service, we give through uh, you know, being devoted to uh, manifesting more of God's kingdom in and through our lives. Amen? And many times we think of blessing as purely finances, material possessions, and influence. But today I want to approach blessing differently and, and change your mind uh, and, and shift your perspective on what a blessed life looks like. You know, like I said earlier, that we often think of blessing spirituality as I have more in my bank account, I have a certain amount of resources. But the truth is, in this life, not all of us are going to walk in riches. Well, we get to be wealthy. There's a difference between being rich and being wealthy. Wealth, wealth is a mindset. It's a state of a soul. Yeah. I'm making sense? Yeah. Come on, guys. <laughs> let's look at Matthew 5. Let's look at the Beatitudes. And these are Jesus' pronouncements of blessings uh, on the Sermon on the Mount. It goes, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gent gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Next verse. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now catch this. Not one of the mentions of blessings from Jesus pertains to having future financial gains or material possessions or having an easy, comfortable life. 
On the contrary, he seems to imply that blessing often looks like hardship, circumstance, trials, and the reward that comes with it. We often think of blessing as an eventual reward, but blessing to God is both the process and the product, the trial and its reward. I am blessed. Blessed are those who are persecuted, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who experience hardship, for there is reward in the midst of pain. It's like the Bible says this, that though we walk through the valley of shadow of death, his presence is with us. He prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. We think of blessing as the, the fruit, as the reward that comes at the end of the trial. But can I put it to you that there are blessings, there are dimensions of blessings that can only be experienced in the midst of difficulty. A blessed life is a life that stands firm in the midst of difficulty. A blessed life is a person that is full of God's life in the midst of pain, in the midst of hardship. Though I walk through the valley, His presence is with me. And the world is seeking and is hungry for that kind of life. All of us, no matter whether you're rich, you're poor, you're old, you're young, will experience circumstance and hardship in life. No matter how much money you have, you will experience pain, difficulty, loss. And what the world is seeking an answer for, that question, how do I stand in the midst of the storm? How do I maintain course when everything around me is trying to shift me out of course? A blessed life is this. It's a life that stands firm. It's a life that thrives in the midst of circumstance. Blessed are you in the midst of all that. That making sense. I believe that a blessed life is one that is full of life, even in the most lifeless situations. I believe that life is a sign of blessing. The first proclamation of blessing is the proclamation of life. Genesis 1.27 says this, that God blessed them, men, and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. The sign of life is the proof of blessing. A blessed life is a life full of life. Let's look at this interesting story in number 17. Are you all following me? Yes? Come on, look alive, people. Whoa. Okay, number 17. It goes like this, you know, and, and uh, let me set a bit of context for, for this verse, you know. Um, the, the people of Israel were all up in arms. They were questioning the authority uh, of Moses and Aaron, and uh, there was a faction that was going to rebel against them. And uh, Moses sought the Lord, and this is what the Lord said to Moses. And it goes like this, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the children of Israel and get them a rod from each father's house. All their leaders, according to their father's house, 12 rods, write each man's name on, each, on his rod, and you shall write Aaron's name on the rod of Levi. For there shall be one rod for the head of each father's house, then you shall place them in the tabernacle of meeting before the testimony where I meet with you. And it shall be that the rod of the man whom I choose will blossom, thus I will rid myself of the complaints of the children of Israel which they make against you. Next slide. So Moses spoke to the children of Israel and each of their leaders gave them a rod apiece for each leader according to their father's houses. Twelve rods. And the rod of Aaron was among those rods. 
And Moses placed the rods before the Lord in the tabernacle of witness. Now it came to pass on the next day that Moses went into the tabernacle of witness. And behold, the rod of Aaron of the house of Levi had sprouted and put forth buds, had produced blossoms and yielded ripe almonds. Very interesting story, you know. Um, Moses receives the instruction, get the 12 heads to take a rod each and bring them into the tabernacle of God. No, that translation is not uh, the most accurate. The, the word rod, uh, it actually is um, an almond branch. They were each commanded to bring an almond branch into the tabernacle of meeting and place them before the Ark of the Covenant. And the one whom God has anointed, has appointed, has marked, has blessed for leadership, his rod would produce life. And it says, it says this in the Bible, that Aaron's rod started sprouting, blossoming, producing buds, and yielded ripe almonds. And this was how they knew that, hey, God has marked this individual. Life is the proof of blessing. Life is the proof of blessing. What is that life that I talk about, you know? It's not just being alive, you know, the, the Bible when it talks about life, it refers to it as shalom, as sozo. It's that sense of wholeness, that sense of completeness. But when I read this story, it, it, it speaks to me because, you know, we, we, we read that, hey, the, 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 the branch sprouted, put forth buds, produced blossoms and yielded ripe almonds. Almost the different stages of fruitfulness. Some lacking in maturity, some in full maturity. Here's how I know that God has marked an individual, that there is life in every area. Some areas, they may be lacking maturity. Some areas might not be in its full maturity. But just as long as there is life, God has marked that individual. And that's how we, we should approach leadership at times. You know. Who we appoint as leaders, you know, sometimes their lives are not perfect, they're not in full order, they're not mature in every area. But just as long as the hand of God, God's life is on every area, that person is marked and blessed for leadership. It's a leadership principle. That at times your leaders, the person elected over you, they're not complete, they're not fully mature in every area. But as long as life is on them, they are marked, they are blessed. Same will apply to you and me. We may not be mature in every area, we may not have all the things going for us. You know, we may be lacking in certain areas. But just as long as the life of God is upon your life and you allow Him access in every area, you are a blessed individual. Making sense? Are you all following me? <clears throat> when a Jewish person reads John 3.16... You know, life more abundantly. He reads it as a now word, not an eventual destination. You know, I read a book once on, on uh, Jews and how they view finances, and I was struck by this quote. And the quote goes, "To the Jew, life. Uh, to the Jew, death and poverty are the same thing, because in both is the absence of options." That's how the Jew views finances. You know, death and poverty are the, the same thing. And so, when when a Jew reads about life in the Bible, he doesn't look at it as an eventual destination, as something that he only gets to experience in heaven. He views it as a now word. I get to have life right now more abundantly. 
I get to be blessed right now. And for most Christians, we almost relegate all the promises of God's blessing to the second coming, to uh, post-death experience. But how many of you know that if you're expecting to be free and saved only when you die, then Jesus isn't a savior, death is. You're making sense? Life more abundantly is something we can experience today, not after we die. And the world is craving, is pining for believers, for you and me, to walk out, to live that life of abundance, to live that blessed life. Because that verse says this, that we, when we are blessed, that God is made known. Most people wouldn't have the opportunity of stepping into the threshold, past the threshold of a church. Most people wouldn't have the opportunity of cracking open a Bible and encountering God right away. But you and I, we have access to most people. You are God's plan A for evangelism. Not the church program. Not the church program. Let me say it again. It's when you live lives of great blessing that you reveal how good a father he is. There's a responsibility. No, that means that we, we don't get to go, oh, everything sucks, everything sucks. My life is in shambles. Horrid, horrid, I am. Downtrodden, I am. In a horrible state. Know which kingdom you're representing when you say that. What you're saying is that, no, you are part of a kingdom. And you are son to a father that will allow that to happen. That will permit that. That desires you to have that. You have the great privilege and responsibility of representing him to the world. And representing him to the world. Correcting the false mindsets and perceptions of who the father is. He is good. He is good. Absolutely good. And that will mean that my responsibility as a son of his house is to reflect, is to portray his goodness to the world. Bless me so that they will know you. Wet their appetites for you, O oh God. Let them not be impressed with me. Let them not be impressed with how well I have things together, but let them see my imperfections, let them see my, my lackings, let me see them, my failings and know that despite all of that, I have a God who is able to make all things work together for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. It is my great privilege and role in life to live blessed. And that's why I pray that very legal prayer. God, bless me. Bless me, God so that they will know you. Am I making sense? I'd like to land the plane on this last verse, Romans 5, 12. It goes like this. No, therefore, just as through one man, sin entered into the world, and death through sin. And so, death spread to all men, because all sinned. Verse 17 says this. For if by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Will reign in life. What does it mean to reign in life? What does it mean to do life so well that someone will say you are reigning? That what reigning means to be 
over, to be in control of, to master. What does it mean to reign in life? This is not a biblical suggestion, it's a biblical promise. You will reign in life. You know, the word Proverbs, uh, the, the book of Proverbs, we know it as the book of wisdom and we're all familiar with it. You know, a proverb a day keeps the devil away. And we all read the books of, book of Proverbs fairly uh, frequently and regularly. And we know that, we lo- I, I know I personally love the book of Proverbs because it's so practical, right? It speaks into the everyday issues of life. You know, it talks about marriage, talks about relationships, friendships. I love the book of Proverbs. And, you know, the, the word proverb in this Hebrew, uh, in the Hebrew is the word mashal. And mashal means, you know, uh, saying, it means riddle, it means metaphor. But there's another meaning to the word mashal, and it's the word to rule, to have dominion, and to reign. The purpose of the book of prophets, the purpose of wisdom, is for you and I to reign in life. To reign in life. Are you all with me? What does that blessed life look like? Let's go back to Romans 5 you know, and, and that, that verse. It says that, uh, the, the next verse, yeah, it says, Much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. You know, in some translations, it even says this, that those, they will have lives of great blessing. Bless a blessed life, will reign in life, will have a blessed life. The abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness is what makes that possible. What is the abundance of grace that we have received? No, grace is often translated as favor in the Bible. I have grace upon you, favor upon you, and pardon your sin. But grace can also be translated as divine empowerment. By his grace, we stand. That's why the requirements of the New Testament are so much greater than the Old Testament, because now we have his grace that empowers us to live righteously. But the empowerment of God doesn't just stop at empowering you to live righteously. It empowers you to stand in the midst of the greatest impossibilities and circumstance and stand there with courage and command these mountains to be cast into the sea. That grace empowers you to confront every impossibility you see in your life and see them bow to the name that is above every other name. You're all familiar with the story of the Tower of Babel, you know, in the Tower of Babel, this is what the, the Lord said about the people there, you know, they are gathered in one accord, and they are of the same language, they have one language, they are in one accord, and this is what the Bible says about those people, that nothing will be withheld from them. In some translation, it says this, that nothing is impossible for them. One language, one accord, nothing will be withheld from them. Fast forward, the book of Acts the day of Pentecost, the upper room. It is said of the believers in that room. They gathered in one accord. And then the Spirit of God filled them with the language of the Holy Spirit. One language, one accord. My suggestion to you is that that same proclamation that was said and was made over the people of Babel is made over you and I today. One accord, one language. Nothing will be withheld from you. Nothing is impossible by and through His Holy Spirit that empowers you. 
It's with the abundance of God's grace, his divine empowerment that we reign in life, never giving in to fear, anxiety, or worry, knowing that nothing is impossible. And then it says this now, that through the abundance of his grace and the gift of righteousness, the gift of righteousness. And righteousness can mean justice, can mean doing the right thing. The Bible says this about righteousness, that our righteousness are like filthy rags. That word filthy rags, you know, it literally means a soiled tampon, a soiled sanitary pad filled with menstrual blood. It says our righteousness looks like that. Our good works are flawed and are wretched. But the good news is that God has given us the gift of His righteousness, a gift that is not something earned, but in the Bible, His righteousness also means to be divinely approved or to be in right standing with Him. What is the gift of righteousness and what does it imply and mean to you and I? It means that you and I, we stand eternally secured. We are secured in eternity. What does that mean? That not even death itself should deter you. Not even death itself. For it's but a shadow. But you and I, we are eternally secured. In God. And so no matter what we face on the planet today, we know that this is but a vapor. This is but a passing moment. I have eternity with God ahead of me. And then that becomes the cornerstone of all logic and reasoning in your life. When I approach anything, when I face anything, any darkness, I stand there and hey, you may have the better word now, or you may seem to have the better word now, but I have a word that trumps your word, that I stand eternally secured in God. I have eternity ahead of me. And it's through those two things, the abundance of grace, His divine empowerment, to confront all impossibilities, His gift of righteousness, that which causes me to be eternally secured in Him. It's through those two things that the Bible says that we reign in life. Reign in life. We are over the circumstances of this world. We are over the trials and tribulations that we may face. We are over every negative report and situation. We reign in life because God has a better word. I'd like to close off with this thought. The word reign seems to suggest royalty, yes. You know, the Bible says that we are a royal priesthood. Yeah? We are kings and queens, you know. And uh, I don't know about you, but uh, do any of you feel like kings and queens today, you know? Uh, <laughs> right? A, a king, you no. Know, tra- a traditional understanding of a person uh, in royalty is that they have every need uh, met, you know. Uh, they have servants, you know, and, and everything is built around them. And uh, there are a bunch of people around them to serve them, to make them feel comfortable, yes? Yeah, to care for them. And that's how we understand kings and queens and royalty. One of the things I believe Jesus came to correct is our understanding of the role of royalty on the planet. Jesus came as king. It says this in the Bible that Jesus, knowing that he had come from the Father and he was going back to the Father, girded himself with a towel and washed the feet of his disciples. 
he understood how significant he was. He understood his royal identity. And it was from that place, he took a towel and washed the feet of his disciples. The purpose of royalty is to empower the people around you. The purpose of you reigning and being blessed in life is for the benefit of those around you. What does that tell me? It tells me this, that the more blessed I am, the better the planet becomes. It sounds sounds like a self-serving agenda and can very well be. Lord bless me if it's without the divine purpose attached to it. It is a self-serving agenda. But Lord bless me when we understand that the blessings of God weren't made to be tied up in one individual, but the favor of God is meant to flow out that we do not become a dead sea when we understand that there is a purpose to all that we are seeing and experiencing in life. Lord bless me with a divine purpose has the potential to change the world. And that is why we ask for the blessings of God so that His way will be known on the earth. Can we stand? Are you alive? Let's put uh, Psalm 67 on the screen. How many of you have prayed the prayer, God bless me before? Yes. Two of you? Yeah. All of you, yeah. No, but, but today, you know, um, in ending this service, you know, and this is a really unique uh, time of the year, you know, where words of blessings go forth and where you bless the people around you. And, um, and I, I really want us to realize what access we have as children of God. You know, we have access to that unlimited, boundless kingdom. And that access was given to us for a purpose. And that purpose is to make Him known to those around us, to empower, to elevate, to touch those around us. And we have a responsibility to live lives that so reflect the Father. We have a responsibility to live lives that so display the goodness of God to those around us. And my suggestion to you today, you know, through whatever I was saying, that it, it might not look like material possessions all the time. But I know one thing is true. That all Christians, all who profess faith in the Lord, are to reign in life are to not be troubled by circumstance to not partner with anxiety and fear but they are to do well in life and that is what the world craves or that is what the world pines for and so it's with that in mind that I would like us to read Psalm 67 together and pray it and declare it over our lives and trust that in this moment that the blessings of God will rain down from heaven and touch you. It's not designed just for your benefit, for your comfort, but that blessing is designed to flow from you. You are but a vessel, you are but a conduit for the people around you. 
So, so with that in mind, let's say this together. On the count of three. One, two, three. God be merciful to us and bless us. Cause His face to shine upon us that Your way may be known on earth. Your salvation among all nations. Say it again. God be merciful to us and bless us and cause His face to shine upon us that Your way may be known on earth. Your salvation among all One last time. God be merciful to us and bless us and cause His face to shine upon us that Your way may be known on earth. Your salvation among all nations. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for the privilege of being Your children, of being Your sons and daughters. And Lord, we know that You desire to bless us. You desire to give good gifts to Your children for our enjoyment and for our comfort. But God, we know that Your blessing just doesn't stop there, that You desire to bless those around us through us. Lord, we thank You for that promise in Your Word that when Your blessing upon our life is evident, that you are made known to the people around you. When the Son of God is high and lifted up, He will draw all men unto Himself. And Lord, we pray and we prophesy that verse over our families, that Lord, You will commission us as lighthouses in the midst of darkness in our families, God, that we will be conduits of Your blessing, that we will so reflect and so portray the goodness of a, of a Father that so loves His children. Lord, we ask that through a blessed life, we will make Your way known on the earth, Your salvation among all nations. Father, we thank You for Your Word that says that when one is saved, so shall their entire household. Lord, we thank You that, that no, that's not a divine suggestion, but that's a divine proclamation. And so we proclaim it over our families today, that Lord, through our lives, through a life yielded to You, You are bring forth salvation in our families. Lord, we pray and we prophesy, let the wells of salvation spring forth in every household. God, we will not approach it passively. We will not stand back. But Lord, let us be active in the process. Let us so display and so represent you to the world around us. Bless us, O oh God. Bless us, O oh God. Bless us, O oh God. May the Lord bless you and keep you and cause His face to shine upon you. Grant you His peace. Lift up His face upon you. The blessing of God the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit be with you and abide with you now and forevermore. And of God's people say, Amen. Amen. The worship team is going to lead us in a song.